This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. It's Shake Them Ropes. I didn't look up the episode before we got started, but my name is Chris Novembrino, and joining me, as always, is Jeff Hawkins. Jeff, do you care to guess what episode it is? I believe it's like 327. No, it can't be 327. I think it's probably 329. If I had to okay. take a guess, it's episode 329. But we're here to discuss Raw and SmackDown. Jeff, is there anything in the news section before we get started? Chris, it is March Madness week. Who cares about wrestling when the NCAA basketball tournament and the greatest good guys, the biggest underdog baby faces, the Kofi Kingstons of the tournament, your Virginia Cavaliers, actually my Virginia Cavaliers, uh, as the only proponent of an actual school who went there, uh, Bruce Mitchell of the Torch, roots for Duke, didn't go to Duke, rich fan of the Torch, married a Dukey, every wrestling fan should be rooting for the Virginia Cavaliers to win the NCAA tournament, mostly to make me happy. I was going to say, it sounds like you're trying to capture my heart and my imagination with this. I, I have no strong leanings as we go into March Madness. <laughs> if you don't like college basketball, you're not going to be into it. But if you like college basketball, this is the best time of year. Well, this is an exciting time for me because this is when I follow names that might end up in next year's fantasy basketball draft, and I also finish out my season, and we get ready to uh, get to the payday of the season, which this was a productive one for old Chris, so I'm happy about that. But to uh, to, to your question, after my, my flagrant, flagrant self-involved uh, rant there, uh, AJ Styles has re-signed with the WWE. That's... Uh, I don't find that that surprising. I don't find it all that surprising either. He has a nice high-profile position here. He will almost certainly remain in the title picture for the rest of his duration here in WWE. Maybe, maybe at some point be like an Intercontinental Champion, but they've been taking good care of him. Uh, I mean, obviously there was some speculation that he might go to AEW. But if you look at what Styles has been getting out of his relationship with WWE, both in terms of treatment on air and then also paydays versus other people, let's say Anderson and Gallows, it makes some sense that they might want to move onward, other than, of course, the contract was massive in their case. But in the case of AJ, everything's right. He gets treated well on TV and he's getting paid well. He's, he's making seven figures. He's over the age of 40. He gets just enough creative free freedom to be happy. I, I don't. I, I mean, everybody's like saying, "Well, think of the great matches he could have." Yeah. Well, at some point, he's got a little too creative here tonight with the "There can only be one" T-shirt. I don't know if you saw that. I think the Highlander, oh, Highlander? might want to speak to him. Yeah. Oh. Well. Um. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, it's like yeah, but as an artist. He's made his art. He did it in New Japan, and that's why he did it, was to get these big paydays stateside so he could be around the family, set them up for life. I have no problem with him staying in the WWE. I, I, I think he's a positive influence there. I, I don't... Look, I, I know <laughs> it was so weird because this time last year, we're all excited about the Nakamura WrestleMania program that inevitably turned disappointing. 
<laughs> Sometimes you just have to look at the calendar and realize that many years have passed. That New Japan run for all of these guys is more than five years in the rearview mirror for most of them. Not, not to be a complete crass cynic, but you know what? All your all your five star ratings aren't gonna put uh, put money in the bank. So you go with where the money is, and AJ did. Yeah, and you also go with what you can do at this point, too. But yeah, I, it makes all the sense in the world to me that AJ Styles will resign. I imagine he will maybe go over to Raw at some point after this. It, it seems like he might get shuffled around, although he is so closely associated with SmackDown in his identity, the face that runs the place, and, you know, I made this brand or whatever. Of course, WWE can throw that down the memory hole, but that does seem to be a thing they like to go back to with AJ Styles. So he might be kind of a flagship talent for SmackDown. And and the other thing, uh, that I mean, everybody's kind of a flutter because they think, well, there's going to be 18 matches on WrestleMania this year or something like that. Some, like, I think the number is 17. It's some ridiculous number. We just got another match today. And you know why I don't care, Chris? Why not? Because it's, it's for, because I'm not going to be there live, and it's going to be on TV, and I can stop it at any time and walk away and come back to it. Seven or eight hours is a long day. There, there's a reason why, you know, they call that work in most contexts, because seven or eight hours of watching anything is, it's a lot. Take it from Jeff and I, who watch a lot of wrestling on a weekly basis that's that's a lot of wrestling you guys to watch you guys all at once. heard you heard my rant about the royal rumble i will not do those stadium shows again for that long i just won't they don't prepare for them well enough now if you're if you're a wwe diehard more power to you I, and if you've I, never I am, been to a WrestleMania, yes. you, you should do it once in your life so you can say that you did it. That's, of course, that's a logical thing to do. And if you're someone who wants to say that you've done all the big pay-per-views, by all means, do it. We're just saying in terms of an experience, when you're not trying to finish off something on a checklist, it's a it's a, it's a a process, man. It's work. That that first WrestleMania I went to in Dallas, that, that was something. And, and it... I still have memories of, of a lot of it um, around there. So, yeah. Entering go, go that WrestleMania was a process. By the time we got to our seat, yeah. the, I, I was actually, there was a while before the wrestling started, and it was good because it was like, I, you know, I felt like a cow getting moved through a corral here, you know, for about an hour and a half. You're slowly shuffling your way to a seat. I'm going to ask a question in the ether, and I have, I've been struggling with my opinion on this. Is the build for this WWE WrestleMania good? And I don't know. I honestly don't know. Because a lot of me says no, but a lot of that's me kind of being the snarky, cynical, lifelong fan who watches this and thinks it's mostly dumb. (laughs) I think it's overwritten, and as such, it's underperforming. But the general idea of things... On paper, especially when you pull the camera out to 30,000 feet, is good. Becky Lynch and Ronda Rousey is an interesting and intriguing angle. Charlotte's insertion and all of the other stuff has made it convoluted. Kofi Kingston getting this big push at WrestleMania is interesting, and and I'd even say good, but some of the ways that they've gone about doing it, as we're going to get into when we talk about SmackDown have been, I don't know, not my choices. And I and I think that 
that has hurt its ability to connect with the audience. But it's not as though, when I say that, that it's completely missing. This is a total dud. The audience is crapping all over every minute of every second of this television. I just think that done differently, it could be a little hotter, and you see a lot of indicators in the audience that they're not always necessarily following the beats. So so the card, okay, so your argument is the card is good, it's just not the the week-to-week build stinks. Yes. Okay. I, I, I just think, uh, I, and for me, the build makes the card. I, that's, that's my issue. I, I'm looking forward to most of these matches still, but I'm just like watching this and going, it, it's weird because for me, interest in the matches is going down because of the build versus the other way around. I, I agree with that. No, that's not actually a dissimilar position from me. Um, I, okay. I, I just I think that if they were doing this a different way, you'd be more interested in this card. Yeah, I'll, I'll give you a prime example. I have no faith now that Seth Rollins is going to beat Brock Lesnar. I have decided after that ending on Raw, they would not do that to a guy who is going to win big. The distraction finish based on oh, that's interesting. Okay, stupid, stupid babyface syndrome. I think if this was a guy, if this was a guy in the vein of Roman, for example, Brock would have beaten him down and rolled him in the ring to be pinned, rather than music. And Seth is so focused on that guy that he doesn't realize that Drew McIntyre's gotten up. I. I viewed this as a step back for that program. I agree with you on that. However, I think what is being done there is a little bit different. I think the plan is to get Drew McIntyre into the title picture post-Mania. And what they want to do is plant a seed now. And that seed is Drew McIntyre's got the pinfall victory over Seth Rollins, albeit with this giant asterisk. And I think that it actually, in my mind... It actually made it more likely that Seth Rollins is going to beat Brock Lesnar. And this is also sort of a very Vince move of beat the guy a little bit as he's going in to make it seem like it's impossible that he could possibly overcome the big obstacle at WrestleMania. In Vince's mind, this is making Seth Rollins' defeat of Brock Lesnar even more improbable. I understand your logic on this. And and here's where I'm going to give some pushback. We are, on Sunday, two weeks out from WrestleMania. This is where your programs need to be humming. I agree. If you were going, if you were going to plant this seed, it needed to be a couple weeks ago. I agree with that. In my opinion. And and it's, it's just one of those things where it's like, now it's kind of like, uh, and this is a problem across the board with, with the triple threat match, with the Kofi thing. It, it's just one of those things where it's like, we're still building here, and it's almost like the time we're going to ignite it is the go-home show. With WrestleMania, at least in years past, I think part of the reason it has the bigness is not just that you've made it eight hours or 24 hours straight of wrestling. It's that this is the part of the year where they put in the 12-week and 8-week storylines 
and we have a big payoff of those storylines at WrestleMania, and that is to what you were saying earlier and why you feel a little cold on this WrestleMania. It's part of what makes you feel big. Uh, you're invested in the story. You've been following the twists and turns of it, and so when it pays off at WrestleMania, it's really interesting. Like, You know, what's a really good example of this um, and, and how the build is bigger than the match? Kane versus The Undertaker, the first Kane versus The Undertaker match. Um, if you go back and you watch that WrestleMania, before that match, which at least to my eyes is not very good, there is an excellent video recap taking you through the twists and turns of that angle. So by the time The Undertaker and Kane had that match, you wanted to see it happen, especially since we had never really seen The Undertaker and Kane lock horns at that point. And especially if you weren't watching with the super discerning eye, it probably was really good to you. Okay. No, I'm... I'm, I, I understand your point. I'm... I'm also processing a, a, a few different things at once here because it's it's weird how many of these baby faces in these stories. The story is I'm a good employee. I've sacrificed so much to work for this company that treats me like garbage, and now I want my moment. And I'm just like all I'm thinking of during these promos, like especially during like the Kofi one where he said he misses missed his kids, you know tooths being out and birthdays and the Miz talking about, you know, being on the road instead of with his family. I'm like, the people you work for are jerks. And they're the ones presenting this entire thing. It 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 kills me how much of At this, a how much point you want an employee <laughs> mutiny. The way yes. they keep pressing the button with management is awful and not just like bad, but like Really, really, really bad. Man, I work in a crap for a crappy company that keeps me away from my family so long and so hard. Treat some of the nicest people around here like absolute human garbage and rewards other people who are bad people seemingly for their own pleasure. (laughs) It's like, well, here's a belt. Oh, but I love this company so much. (laughs) I love this brand. (laughs) I love this brand. I love... I love being a sports entertainer. Love the brand, hate the company. <laughs> love the brand, hate the company. Yeah, I, I, it, it's a little frustrating. I was a little frustrated by the, uh, in the same vein, the, the Dave Batista promo, where I'm like, I'm, I'm waiting for the heat, and all he's telling me, I, I, I watched that. This promo. has gotten colder week over week for me, Chris. I was confused as to whether or not I was supposed to like or hate Triple H after that promo. Yeah, I, I had that same reaction where I was like, I, I, but this is sometimes you can recall history too closely as a heel, and it actually ends up hurting the baby face. And, and you kind of saw that a little bit too with Daniel Bryan and Kofi Kingston because Daniel yeah. Bryan's logic really did sort of poke a hole in the whole Kofi Kingston story of, yeah, this guy really, he's gotten his <laughs> shot. Like, like, there's no, there was no grave injustice done to Kofi Kingston. He had a lucky break. He had a valiant showing, and you could certainly say he took advantage of the opportunity, but he came up short, and here we are now. And, and you kind of saw that same sort of, but this is kind of grounded in the truth when Batista says this experience when he was talking about Triple H. Well, well, let, let's table the Kofi Daniel Bryan one. Right. Yeah, we can put that aside for a because, second. Because but they because come. I love I, I love just that to bring that up. No, I had the same thought. At, but with the Dave thing, he goes, "Come on, we all know what Hunter was like in the back," kind of thing. And you're like, 
Yeah. Yeah, he buried CM Punk. He buried everybody when he was part of D-Generation X. He kept guys around the and of used terror them. The reign is of terror is a specific time that's referred to, yeah. And then after that, Michael Cole goes, well, he's always been fair to me. And I was like, was that supposed to redeem him in our eyes? Was was that supposed to be? Was that supposed to be the moment where we all turned and said, "Boo, Dave Batista, boo you for for talking about this great man who gives people fair chances." Michael boo Cole as the voice on your house. Michael Cole as the voice of objective moral <laughs> clarity. All of a sudden on this show, I mean, yes, we, we've talked about this. We watch a lot of territorial stuff, and there's certain announcers who have that function. Michael Cole is not one of them. That is not how he's used on the show. And if you don't do that week in, week out, it means nothing because it's all about credibility. He's always been fair to me. That's only making Dave's point. <laughs> yeah, Michael Cole still regularly gets booed when he comes out before Raw starts. When they're doing Michael Cole's theme song, people boo him. He's not like a voice that is trusted among the crowd. They don't like hate him, but he's not beloved. I I just don't know if this is just an overall problem with wrestling where they feel like they have to toe that line of reality. I just far don't too think they think they all that hard, right? Like it's uh Ronda Rousey or who was it saying they no, it was Beth Phoenix saying that a dragon was awoken inside of her. Yes. Like that's just lazy. Yeah, it it was. I was like, oh, you've awoken a dragon in me. It's How like, about another mythical flying thing that is breathing fire, perhaps? If only there was such a creature. I'm going to challenge you to a fight, point to sign, at WrestleMania. <laughs> yeah, it's just, it's all, I mean, I, you're you're already three steps ahead of every promo on this show before you get there. But man, that one, that's the one that really stuck out because I was like, okay, here comes Dave. Hipster Dave, fashionista Batista, you know, ready to cut an angry promo at Hunter for all the years he was in WWE and stuff like that. It's I'm like, not really clear uh, why we had to beat the hell out of Ric Flair either, just in terms yeah. of Batista's motivations. This was just to get Triple H's attention, but what did Ric Flair do to him? All he ever did was was be nice to him during all the all the promos and stuff. Oh, I attacked him to get to you, Hunter. Whereas, and then he comes out the next week and he just says, give and me what I want, and Hunter does thing, it. But there has to be a logic to it. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm, they're, they're, I'm amazed when they tell me, yeah, they were writing this show up until, up until camera time. I'm like, when did they how? start it, though? You know, it's, 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 it's paint by numbers, guys. I mean, Vince, Vince has a script and he goes with it. I just, it, 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 it was, but the Batista one got me out. The Beth Phoenix promo was, oh man, that was just cringeworthy because there's so much to do there because Natty. They pulled the should, intrigue out of her. I was super excited to see what Beth was going to say and just the interaction with Bailey and Sasha and those four stood in the ring and might as well have just blinked at each other for five minutes. Yeah. Natty's, and Natty's been the feel, heel face, heel face depending on who's there and who her friends are. And she's just never been an interesting enough character to warrant that kind of anger at someone slighting, you know, and, but the Sasha thing wasn't very good either. That That's just the weird thing. It's just the entire conversation was scripted as superhero monologues. That didn't make any sense. 
Yeah, Bailey and Sasha as these fighting champions, and then they go and lose to the Iconics, which I think will set up a title match somewhere down the line. But but to your point, when you're talking about kind of weak booking, that was weird considering you've got Bailey and Sasha going into this match against Natty and Beth Phoenix, who are going to be put over as like a very strong, formidable veteran team. Tamina and Nia are going to be presented as monsters as well. So you want Bailey and Sasha looking strong going into that match, and I don't necessarily know that having them lose to the Iconics was the right move. Yeah, add the Iconics to the match, keep these women away from each other, have them talk about each other, and just go with it. I, I I'm. It's going to be a four-way, and I just assume the Iconics are getting pinned by someone who aren't Bailey and Sasha at this point. Oh, and that's what's going to result in Bailey and Sasha losing the title. That makes sense. Somehow. I, yeah. I think I think maybe for a short run with Beth and Natty, maybe they lose it on the Raw afterwards back to them so that they can you might have, this have backwards. matches. It might be the Iconics pin Natty, and that's how they end up with the titles. Okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm not going to go that we'll, we'll We'll, we'll watch the next WrestleMania. Week. Yeah, we'll watch the next and week we'll here, but I think you're probably right that they end up in that match. Oh yeah, because they pinned the champs. So yes. they yeah they exactly. A... <sighs> so you want to talk about <laughs> Finn Balor and Braun Strowman, that tag team that has captured the imagination, defeating Bobby Lashley and Leo Rush, who have split again. I think maybe. It's so weird, week in, week out, how they have been doing the Bobby Lashley, Leo Rush stuff, because it's like, Leo Rush completely redeems himself, and then, Jeff, you mentioned on the last show we taped that online, they went ahead and got several beats ahead of this, and had tensione between Bobby Lashley and Leo Rush, but when we were doing Raw this week... No tension at all before the match. They're totally cool. Leo Rush is totally on board. Lashley seems totally cool. And then we do Lashley once again leaving Leo Rush in the ring so that we can garner sympathy. So, I, I mean, I, I do think we are going that direction. I don't know that we're necessarily going to get to a multi-man Intercontinental Championship match with Leo Rush in it, though. I am more amazed that Finn Balor continues to be popular. Yeah. After, after yeah, with what so little, With so with little, yeah. They don't even have yeah. a good reason to bring out the demon at WrestleMania this year. Those people are probably not even that they might get the demon. But there's a chance they might not even get the demon Finn Balor. He's a plot device to heat up Braun Strowman again, and Braun Strowman's going to be in a battle royal that nobody cares about. Because nobody cares about the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle No, but Royal, what's ever. even better about Braun Strowman being in that Battle Royal is his justification for why he wants to be in that Battle Royal. Remember and, that? And that, no, go ahead. That was because of the Saturday Night Live guys. They made him so angry that he wants to beat people up so he's entering the Battle Royal so that everyone who's in the locker room can get his hands. He's a babyface. So either Saturday Night Live guy wins it or they tease the Kurt Hawkins winning it to break the streak and he gets thrown out by Braun, ding, 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 trope. And again, any way you, any way you slice it, Braun Strowman is a comedy figure at WrestleMania again. Second year in a row. Because last year was, was the, he won the tag team titles with an eight-year-old kid. He remains popular, but this has been a massive cooling off of this guy who at one yeah. point seemed poised to be a serious face of this brand 
in you know the next generation. Like it, you know, New Japan has traditionally had you know it's four or five aces. Braun Strowman could have been one of those guys on the marquee and kind of in that title consideration. It might still be heated up to that point again, but this is a real trough in his career right now. Give, give me the other results of Raw because I I, I I'm Elias defeats to... No Way Jose. Uh, who cares? Yeah, no way, Jose. He needed the Chicago Cubs shirt to make sure that he was not booed. We had Kurt Angle versus Chad Gable in a rather lengthy match. That was that's what good. I want to talk about. They let me ask you this because I I am mixed now that they're coming out and saying that that uh, Kurt Angle's opponent won't be Baron Corbin. I am dead certain by that promo that was poorly delivered because that's what Kurt. Kurt can't deliver a promo anymore. That that's a dirty secret nobody wants to admit. Because he's so stuffed up and he just goes through his lines and runs through them with a big thing and da 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 And they're overriding him. They need to just yeah. let him go out and give him bullet points and just let this guy kind of speak and not have to sit there and think about the entirety of his dialogue and trying to hit every single word. But if you look at the text of his promo, they were counting on I don't just want to wrestle someone. I want someone I can beat. They were hoping for people to pop right there. And when they announced Baron Corbin and the audience groaned, that was not an expected reaction from these people, I think. I think they thought, oh, good, we'll be able to, we'll be happy. Well, because a baby face says, I want one last challenge, not someone who will be an easy gomer for me on a high profile stage, a la Floyd Mayweather. Yeah, and then they beat Baron Corbin. Right. <laughs> uh, dude, who do you think he's, he faces? I think Corbin gets pulled from this, and I think... I do, too. Maybe, just maybe, it ends up being John Cena, and it's kind of like a little mirroring of how Cena came into the business, and maybe Kurt Angle gets the win on like the Olympic Slam on John Cena, and we have a big sentimental moment. I think with the U.S. title match being made a one-on-one between Ray and Samoa Joe this week, I think the original plan was to have John Cena be part of a U.S. title match. I think you're right. I think it has to be Cena versus versus Angle. And it's less of a match, per se, and more of a greatest hits. These two guys having one last spot, lots of standing and staring at each other to begin the match, and John carries Kurt to uh, a totally fine, nice, sentimental moment at the end of the match. Ricochet beats Jinder Mahal. Classic, classic. I would, I'm going to save that one. I'm going to go back and review Jinder's it later. big. Let's put Ricochet in there, and he'll look impressive because he's a smaller guy. Jinder Mahal Jinder is a former stinks. SmackDown champion, and this is a big win for Ricochet. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then we have Dana Brooke versus Ronda <laughs> Rousey. Now, okay. let me just say, Jeff, Dana Brooke screaming while in that arm submission was awesome. And it was some of the best Dana Brooking I have ever seen. Ronda's changed up her uh, arm bar, becoming a heel. It's more real. And it might be real. She might just be hazing people in that ring. I have a problem with Travis Brown being part of this. Why? Yeah, here it is. Brown has two sons from a previous marriage. Brown married in in January 2015. In July 2015, 
The wife posted Instagram photos showing multiple bruises on her body, allegedly caused by Brown, and claimed he had allegedly beat her. Brown's a very uh, large man, as you all saw on Monday. So, I mean, that guy throwing any sort of punch would be painful. Look, he's a real UFC fighter. Getting him involved in the women's division feud is problematic with the the with even even if he's innocent before you know you know even if charges weren't pressed to me the specter of the story is enough where you don't want him anywhere near this women's feud but he's gonna get especially as a bodyguard the idea is that he's there to be the body man for ronda rousey so does that mean he's going to strike Becky Lynch at some point or thwart Becky Lynch from attacking Ronda? How does that play out? And what does that look like optically? I am honestly intrigued by how Ronda feels about professional wrestling right now. Because if they had presented her like this the entire time, I think she'd still be happy. I think she'd be more than happy in the WWE. I think their idea to play on her celebrity and make her a baby face when you know that she's kind of a crank in real life, really did damage to the character and may have done damage to her love of professional wrestling because I think she, I tend to think she did take some of the booze a little personally. Yes, I thought she, because she'd be the smiley, more. I love you guys so much thing is such an overperformance for her to begin with. She goes yeah. out there and she doesn't necessarily want adulation like that not in like kind of like the pure mentality of it she she wants to be liked and she wants to be approved of but she's not someone who who is like the hug all the fans type of person she's yeah did, did yeah. ronda rousey ever give off the impression that she was happy go lucky yeah it's ever? just never been her so like this no. has always been a bit of a force for her we know that she has a bit of a touchy personality and so to receive any level of rejection like it those things all conspire that she wouldn't handle that kind of rejection well and lo and behold she didn't but i i think if she had come in here and frankly had been saying things like wrestling is a joke pretty much the entire time and that was sort of the premise of her run here that she didn't yeah. take any of these wrestlers seriously and, and she came in and she dominated the whole world too and sort of like made it look like look i own this business and then finally the knight in shining armor shows up and it's becky lynch um that's actually a really interesting and compelling storyline. I think Ronda would have really sunk her teeth into that, and the crowd would have loved hating Ronda Rousey. Yes, I, I agree. They wanted her to be a big baby face, and, and they just they they just messed it up. I, I and speaking of which, we'll we'll shift over to SmackDown. I think because I don't think there's anything more on on Raw that's worth even mentioning. No, no, I, but, I think that's about right. But then then you have the other two members of this triple threat. Basically coming out there and Kevin Owens just says, okay, ladies, fight. And they do. And you're just like, eh, I would have much rather seen them building something here rather than rather than we have to bring them out for the crowd to cheer for them and then they'll fight a bit. This talk show convention thing that Vince is just so They obsessed. love it. They love it. It's very much a Vince thing, though, because it goes all the way back mm-hmm. to the 1980s. And yep. I was doing research for something else, um, and you remember the old talk show host, Morton Downey? Yes. 
That is, I think, a big inspiration for Vince on this stuff. I know it goes back even further. I mean, it, Carson and maybe even Steve Allen, because Tuesday Night Titans in the mid 80s, he wanted it to be legitimately good. Um, it but was, he it, he was watching that trash TV too. You know what I'm saying? Like like that stuff where and, and like I bring up Morton Downey specifically because like his show is very clearly worked. Um, but it was presented as totally real, and I think right. Vince probably saw that and was like, "Ooh, I could do a little something like that with my product as well." Well, Morton Downey has been at WrestleMania, as you recall. Um, oh yeah, that's <laughs> right. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, I think he just always he always loved the talk show format. He did that with Tuesday Night Titans. He tried to make Bobby he tried to make Bobby Heenan a a weird talk show host as well with the Bobby Heenan show at yeah, one point right, on USA. Right. And it's just one of those weird things where he understands the conventions of it, but I don't think he's ever watched enough television, at least in modern times, to get what makes a good show like that. Or and how I, I that would port into a wrestling product. Like, and there's the a way to sports. do that at times, but this show crutches on this convention so much. We have the Moment of Bliss, we have Ms. TV, we have the KO show, we have... Uh, what was Y2J's show? Moment of Jericho. Oh, oh yeah, the uh, the uh, the 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 list or whatever. I uh, forgot, yeah, yeah, yeah. I Dean mean, Ambrose had a show at one point. Oh yeah, the Ambrose Asylum. Remember the Ambrose Asylum? The Ambrose like Asylum. everybody gets a talk show, regardless of whether or not they should have one. Elias's segment is almost kind of like a talk show. I, I think there's a there's a couple things there's there's things that, but there's also if you remember all those moments from the 80s that were big they were on these types of things you know sean kicking marty through the mirror on the barber shop piper hit piper hitting snook in the head with a coconut on piper's pit you know the brother love show where you know the snake there where you know people get their hand caught in the coffin or or a snake bites or the snake pit where where jake lures uh, I forgot if it was Macho Man or Hogan, but th they were all those types of classic moments were on these talk show type things. Brother and Love just, is another good example of Vince yeah. seeing something on TV. Uh, what's that? Uh, Jim and Tammy. Televangelism. Yeah, televangelism generally. Yeah. Yeah. So 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 it's out there, but it's like Ke Kevin Owens. It's just like, hey, I'm here. You two ladies fight. I'll see you later. Oh, and and good luck, Kofi. And he's kind of a baby face. But he's also needling people and then also recapping this Twitter feud. And that dialogue was agonizing. And Kevin Owens is one of the best promos in this company, but he couldn't save what was on those cards. The constant refrain of babyfaces wishing Kofi good luck while not actually doing anything to help him succeed. This is an another office politics thing where, man, hope you get that promotion. But if you don't. I'm here. <laughs> I'd love to get get that too. So if you fall on your face, I won't really care. I, it, it's so off. It felt like such office politics to kind of go, oh yeah, good luck, Kofi. We're, and we're it would be on. cool if it was presented like that, but it's not even presented like that. It's presented as though what they're doing is necessary and sufficient, and they've totally had Kofi's back with this um what they should be doing and what their mentality presents as is that when the injustices are done to kofi kingston they should be having a mutiny if it was presented like you're saying like it was ah well you know i hope you get that promotion but if you don't i mean 
that means there's a job still open and I need a promotion. Um, that would be one thing, but that's not even what they're doing. Like, The Miz was earnestly wishing Kofi well, which was sort of unearned. Going back to earlier in the show, I am I'm a little mixed on the point that you made about the Daniel Bryan promo on Kofi. Because I like when bad guys are in the right, but they were so much in the right that I was siding with Daniel Bryan. That's my point. That's my point is that Daniel Bryan won me over. Uh, The logic was very fundamentally sound here. Kofi had a shot. Screw you, Kofi. Screw you. You were put into this thing. This should be Mustafa Ali's spot. (laughs) I'm just like, they, they should thank every every being on earth that they did not put Mustafa Ali on this show after that promo. What are your feelings on gauntlet matches? I was worried that this was going to overstay its welcome and perhaps expose Kofi Kingston a little bit and take him swimming for a little too long. And I I, I think that this did. The cast of characters in this gauntlet match is... So predictable. It's just, you know, I like Sheamus, and I like Cesaro, and I think Cesaro's a great wrestler, and they've underutilized him, and, 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 and. I could go on. But Cesaro's always casted in these gauntlet matches, and I I have seen him have the Cesaro gauntlet match so many times, including with Daniel Bryan. And I think that's part of what they're trying to do. They want to make this mirror the Daniel Bryan push, but it, it was just a bit much. As a gimmick... I've learned to come to accept because at first I hated the thought that a superstar could have five matches in one night and still be going strong at the end. I I really, I think it devalues talent. This gauntlet was a little too top heavy for me. I would have kept Samoa Joe and Randy Orton out of this because they both have singles matches on the mania card. I agree with that. Keep this to tag team wrestlers and then, then you have an out by saying, well, they're used to being in tag teams. They might not be as good as a singles wrestler, which was always the out in the NWA. Not having the Usos as heels going into this, I think, is a small mistake. because That was weird. Yeah, right? It was weird to see them chummy with the New Day, and they would have made perfect sense as people who would be in this gauntlet match that Kofi could beat credibly but also have an aura of toughness and an established rivalry with the new day and like a reason why they might have a little bit of a standing vendetta with them and to your point too the tag team wrestlers would make sense because that's who the new day has been feuding with so there's a little bit of built-in story with pretty much whoever you pull from but god did this crowd want it this crowd was great tonight on smackdown i thought i thought they were into everything once that once Miz Miz on that promo, which wasn't that bad, it wasn't great, but it, it was pretty great, darn but good. But I like the frame on this story, yeah. right? That Miz earned everything, and, and you kind of have to ignore like the real world or whatever, right? And and but the idea that Miz really took himself from nothing and made himself into relevance, and Shane is a great athlete, but has also been handed everything. Like I, I actually I like that tension, and I like that we're playing into the idea that. Miz is not the most talented guy in the world either, but like he's been able to make up with that with hard work. We're we're leaning into truths, and so even though the actual content inside of the promo wasn't that good or the dialogue, the the content and the themes they were. That said, when he dropped that first Kofi, 
and the crowd woke up and said, oh yeah, that's right. This is what this entire episode is about. And started getting into it. Well, we were told last week that we were going to be starting this show with the gauntlet match. Remember, that was the end of last week's SmackDown. I forgot about that. But nevertheless, this crowd was hot for it. They were hot throughout the entire gauntlet match. They get what they want. Everybody's happy. And here comes Vince. And we have to throw another obstacle in the way. And here comes Daniel Bryan. And of course he wins. And now we have to find another reason to heat him back up. Oh, we, oh, we, you had the story. You had it. He's hot. He's overcome the odds. We keep Daniel Bryan and Kofi separated for two weeks. We have the contract signing or just whatever. Just have him win this thing. gauntlet. They're, they're overwriting this. There's just too much twisting and turning at the expense of the main character. Yeah. And you've, and you've made, now you've made Randy Orton and, Samoa Joe kind of a little bit lesser going into WrestleMania for their singles matches. Kofi's made- still a part of New Day. Like, in terms yeah. of, he, he doesn't stand alone from them. Like, they, they wish him well and everything, and it's good to have friends. I like that he has friends. It's good that his friends support him because it makes me want to support him more because I see his friends rooting him on. But I also need him visually to look different right now while he's on his personal quest. Yeah, and it gets also back to the man. All these baby phases should just walk out because if Kofi's going to be treated like this after 11 years, what makes the them think that their situation is going to be line. better? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. It, it, it gives them stupid baby face syndrome in mass because they're yeah. not connecting the dots. Well, it, it also goes to the thing of uh, there's also a rampant theme in WWE where you should be you should be thankful that WWE gave you a job because otherwise you wouldn't be making any money in professional wrestling. Right. Well, and also you love the brand. You you've always you wanted to brand. represent the brand, the, and, mm-hmm. and and so you know again, hate the company, love the brand. And I, when I looked at the clock and it was six fifty three, you knew, you knew Vince was coming out, and still I was yelling, "Don't do it! Just go off the air with the celebration." I wanted AJ it- Styles to just come out and help cope. I mean, the, to me, the whole angle here tonight should have been, and the out should have been. The These, baby faces should have all come right. out there and put them on the shoulders. Right. Like Dusty Rhodes winning the world right. title and or something. They force the issue and they say, we have our matches. You can't punish all of us. Yes. So we're going to force the issue. And if Vince, you want to punish all of us next week, then, oh, by the way, that's always a great episode of professional wrestling. The boss punishes everybody. Like that one's usually a fun one um, because it usually presages some other fun event. Um, but then you have that to go to. But God, just get Kofi over the finish line this week. Oh no! You know they're not fun, Chris. You know what they are? They're they're the. Uh, well, we're gonna have the Shield versus the rest of the, oh, the entire yeah, heel I, locker I know. room. I, well, okay. There's a way to do them where they're impenetrably stupid, but there's another way to do them where you start setting up storylines and you set up a big comeuppance spot. You have the mutiny. <laughs> you have the Empire Strikes Back, and then you have the Return of the Jedi. Yeah. Okay. I, I can go with that. I, I just. The less, the fewer McMahons involved, the better. I don't <laughs> like heel McMahons as a major feature on this product, and I was told we were fixing things and getting things right in December, Jeff. I was told things had been going wrong because of heel management figures, Jeff. You were supposed to fix this, Jeff. <laughs> 
All will be right if Virginia wins the tournament. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. I will, I will suffer through this for another year if Virginia wins the NCAA tournament. Otherwise, I'm out of here in December, I think. You can follow me at C-H-R-I-S-N-O-V-E-M-B-R-I-N-O, Chris Novembrino. And you can follow Jeff Carp Game at C-R-A-P, that's Crap Game, 13 on Twitter. And then, of course, my other shows, Don't Worry About the Government, which you can find at Don'tWorry.tv and on iTunes and Stitcher. We'll be back on Thursday to take a look at 205 Live, NXT US, and NXT UK. But until then... Bye-bye. Go Hoos.